Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, thank you for the body of Christ, the friendships in this room, all the answers to prayer. Help us to glorify you. Help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see what you see. Think uh, with the mind of Christ. Tear down strongholds in our minds. Help us to think more like you. And we just pray we'd give you glory today. Help us, help us, Father, to praise you. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm doing announcements this morning because the main thing going on today is going to be a couple of testimonies. So I'm going to start out with a scripture that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days. And it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I was real excited about getting here today. <clears throat> I, I really wanted to be here because a lot because of the people in this church, what God's doing in this church. Um, the, the testimonies that we're going to hear. We're going to be having two testimonies. This is a month where in our culture, because we're losing our minds, we're, and I, I'm just shooting straight with you, we're, we're told that we have to celebrate things that used to be considered immoral, psychological disorders, etc., and things that even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, people said are bad, outside the pale, even not just Christians, secular people, they say, no, now you have to celebrate them and say that they're awesome and tell your kids, almost, almost make your kids appreciate want to you know participate in these things i'm like no that's not that's not the mind of christ that's not what the word of god says and as the culture goes down the toilet the church is going to find itself more and more at odds with culture so so well what do we do this month well last week we talked about sexual shame and how that debilitates so many of us and i said if you don't want to be in a church where people are talking openly about their sexual brokenness, the abuse they went through, the, the sins they got caught up in, the hidden things that they've never been able to tell anyone and they want to get free from. If you don't want to be in a church where that's happening, I'm like, well, you need to go find another church because we're a church that actually wants to take the healing word of God and apply it to real human beings who have been involved in real darkness, which is virtually all of us. So we talked about that and it resonated with a lot of people. Um, and it's when you can get that stuff out and say, look, you're loved. You're not a freak. You're not weird. You're not the only one. And there's healing for you and you can be loved and you can be restored. That's the kind of place that this is going to be. So I talked about that. I talked about shame and just bringing that to the light. Cause we're not going to celebrate things that are shameful, things that are destructive, things that uh, are, are part of our broken mind acting out, uh, in ways that don't, honor God, or help others around us. We're going to live lives of love. A life of love is what I'm doing is a benefit to you. That's, it's not about me, what makes me happy, what, what, what satisfies my pleasures. Ultimately, Jesus didn't serve himself. Jesus served others. We're going to learn to function in God's universe in a way that, and I will be happy, and I will be content, but ultimately, my life is going to be a blessing to you. So when I mentioned that, 
Uh, Travis immediately called me and he said, I would like, and he's, he's done a testimony in church, of, I don't know, a couple few years ago. Uh, but he said, there are some things that I didn't go over that were related to this area. And if we're going to be an open and honest church, he's like, I'd like to just get some stuff out there. And then I was super encouraged as well, because the whole issue of homosexuality now, right now, the church is kind of just giving in and saying, well, it's too strong a desire. Nobody knows what to do about it. Let's just say it's okay. Well, we all had very strong desires in wrong directions. And we didn't just say it's okay, right? When we're dating, before we get married, we have strong desires to engage in the way God created us, you know, to function. But it's like, God said, no, wait till covenant. But God, it's a strong desire. So just, you know, how about you just let us run with it? Um, and then even after you get married, you know, the, you're, you're still physiologically wired to be attracted to the opposite sex. And maybe, you know, it's, we, we have, we're misfiring all the time. I want more. I want, you know, I want the wrong place, wrong time, wrong amount, wrong person, wrong gender. We have God-given desires and they misfire. And God's like, no, I want you to learn to walk in the spirit, function between the lines, then you're going to be happy and healthy and you're going to be a blessing to those around you. So we have people in our church that struggled with homosexuality before surrendering to the Lord and even after surrendering to the Lord because all of us struggle with misfiring desires after we come to the Lord. None of us roll out of bed and like, oh, I don't have any more temptations. The whole game is learning how to master those destructive things and walk in the things that are going to bless others. That's the whole game. And so we have some people in our church that struggled with that. And we don't twist anyone's arm, but, um, you know, to ask them to testify. But this month, I thought, boy, it'd be great if someone stepped up who's come out of that background and give us a little insight into what it's like on the other side, why you're, mal you know, misfunctioning, misfiring that way, and what it was that set you free. And so it just so happened that um, that was something that Sierra came out of, and, she, and she's like, hey, I'm ready to tell my story. And it's been a while because... The church puts so much stigma on this. Homosexual, it's just another thing. It's just another type of brokenness. You know, yeah, you know, Bobby and Cheryl can sleep together and we'll slap them on the wrist. But holy cow, someone's struggling with homosexuality. Run them out, you know, put them out with the lepers and the colony and the island out there. It's like, no, it's just another thing that in our brokenness, some people fall into. And we need to talk about it and bring it out there on the table. So, uh. I'm not going to steal this thunder, but, you know, Shane's made it known that that was something that he struggled with, too. And so he volunteered Sierra to give her testimony today. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Shane's up next Sunday. But anyway, but then Sierra's like, no, God's, you know, Shane's kind of proud me along, but God as well um, has let me know that I need to get, have some courage and, and get out there and just let people know we can be set free from anything. I've heard sermons, depression, God's gift to you. Baloney. Anxiety is not a sin. It's a medical condition. Baloney. It's just not true. And when neither do we live with sexual immorality or crazy identity issues. We figure out who God is and who we're supposed to be. And we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and we get between the lines and then we become happy, fruitful people the way God created us to be. With that, I'll say, but the first step in that direction, of course, the first step in that direction 
is being born again. We can't do it if we're not born again, right? Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. So that you can't tell somebody who's a deviant in their behavior, straighten up before they have the power to do it. And But when we're born again, when we understand the gospel, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives us the ability then to walk as he wants us to walk. So the alcoholic can stop drinking and the meth head can stop you know, doing meth and the homosexual can stop and the, the sexual deviant can stop and the hater can stop hating. The person bound up with bitterness can stop being bitter because we now have the power that raised Jesus from the dead in us. So then we become saved, and then we take some time to learn, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? I still have this kind of crazy part in me that still wants to pull me in that direction. And we're like, yeah, but that's not who you are anymore. Someday that's going to drop off. You're not going to miss it. Well, who am I? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit has been made one. So figure out how to listen to him, how to tap into his power. And then your flesh will erupt and say, no, this is who you are. The Bible says, you want to say, shut up, flesh. That's who I was. You're dead to me. You're still, it's, it's weird. You're still like a crazy passenger on your ship. And if you listen to the flesh, you can still do the stuff you did before, but it never feels right. Why? Because it's not who you are anymore. That's what the Bible says. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. We're here to learn how to put that down, walk in the spirit, become fruitful people, productive people who give God glory. So, Travis and Sierra are on this continuum, you know, from being born again, learning how to walk with the Lord. Neither of them are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But they're way down the road from where they were. And God is setting them free day by day. So um, they wanted to come up here and share their story. I do really feel like the Lord just wants me to be clear on this because I never know who's listening. I never know who goes online after. Uh, our service. Um, I just want to, before they get up here, maybe they were planning to hit all the points. And sometimes it gets missed in the giving of a testimony. We are sinful people separated from God, not just because of homosexuality or sexual deviance. It's because we are just sinners. We're like trees that put out fruit called sin. Your, what you did before you got saved was what, different from what I did, but we're just, that's what we are. And the Bible says we need to be born again. We need to be made new. So we need to acknowledge, God, I'm not, I don't just occasionally sin. That's just what I do. That's what I am. I'm a sin-producing machine. God, I need to be fixed. And the Bible says that's being born again. We're born again. When we realize we're sinners. We deserve punishment. And we believe that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to take our penalty, cancel out our penalty so we can be reconciled to God. He bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's what being born again is. is I believe Jesus died for me. I needed Jesus to die for me because I'm a sinner and I'm sinful and I've done destructive, hurtful things. I need God to forgive me, and I need God to fix my heart, and I need the Holy Spirit to move into my life and make me now a tree that can produce good fruit. That's being born again. That's what's happened to Travis. That's what's happened to Sierra. If that hasn't happened to you, if I say, have you been born again, and you look at me like a deer in the headlights, don't try to come up with some answer. 
say, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, but I know I need it. I don't know if I'm right with God, which means I'm not. I don't know if I'm totally forgiven, which means I'm not, but I want to be. So anyway, that's what Eric did this week, Tuesday, and we're just kind of reiterating this. That's what all of us did at some point. Um, and I also want to tell you guys, there's so many people out there that have never put these pieces together. They've been sitting in church. They've been listening to Bible verses. They watched the Passion of the Christ. They've seen the people standing in the end zone with John 3.16. They've never put the pieces together. You're a sinner. You deserve death because of what you've done. Jesus took your death. God will forgive you on the basis of what Jesus has done. He rose from the dead, and that was God saying, it's over. It's done. All sin for all time has been taken care of. We just have to believe it, repent, receive him into our lives, and we will be changed. Amen? If that's not happened to you, don't run out the door. Come talk to me about it. Um, and, but just realize there's people out there who've never heard that. I remember, again, Blake, when he heard it for the first time in college, he started weeping. Like, I know I'm a sinner. Of course I'm a sinner. What do I do about it? It's Jesus. So I want to have uh, them come up, share their story. And tell us a little about how Jesus set them free. So without further ado, how about, uh, let's see, let's just all pray as Sierra comes up here. Just pray for her. Say, God bless her. Give her clarity. She's, she's crazy nervous. She, she says sometimes I'll almost black out in front of people. Just pray for her. Let her feel, say, God, let her feel relaxed and let your spirit just flow through us. Encourage us through her by the miracle you've done in her life. So let's just pray for her as she comes up here. Thank you for praying for me. I was actually going to ask that first thing. So um, I probably wouldn't be up here due to nerves unless I was volunteered. So here I am. Um, the first thing I want to say is um, I'm going to share a little bit about my past. And that has to do with my mom and my dad. And I'm not here to like shame them, but I do feel like I have to share some things so you know where I came from. So just want to be careful um, <clears throat> about that. Um, but growing up, we both were in a Christian home where we sometimes went to church, sometimes. Um, but uh, when we got home, it was just completely opposite. We didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, and we just, I guess, lived a normal life. Um, so I didn't really have um, much to think about God, I guess. I just went to church sometimes. Um, so that's how we grew up. Um, my mom was with, um, different men growing up, which, um, as you know, I probably now that I, um, lived a homosexual lifestyle, uh, before coming to Christ and some things that, um, started that, um, were in my childhood, um, between, um, different men coming in and out. Um, I started to really hate men because I felt like they had taken my mom from me. And um, one of the big things that really carried me through um, or like just stuck in my head through my life was telling my mom, like, this is really hurtful and I really miss your time. Um, because before like that, um, a lot of my childhood um, up until like six or seven, I had my mom's attention, I felt like. And so when I said, like, this really hurts me, um, the words I heard were, you're just jealous that you don't have my time anymore. 
so I began to hate men. Um, and um, I just let those words carry through really everything in my life. Like I'm really just pathetic, you're jealous, just whatever. Um, between that and um, abuse in my family, uh, there were, was one night where my sister came in the house screaming. Um, she had just been stabbed and choked to death pretty much. Um, she was pregnant at the time. Um, just seeing these things throughout life by men um, in preschool, um, I was at Head Start. I was molested by a male there. Uh, so just over and over, it just proved that men were evil and they're nasty and I hate them. Um, I also didn't have my dad in the picture. Um, I think he left when I was really young. I'm not sure exactly, but to, to an extent where I was young enough that I just don't remember ever having him. So that was my childhood. Um, just a lot of um, abuse and wrong by men. Uh, and let's see, I have to do bullet points or I just forget my whole entire life, really. Um, yeah, so um, I remember even um, in fifth grade, that was the first time that I had homosexual thoughts. Uh, my teacher was very nice to me and I felt like she cared. And so I began to thought I felt attraction because I felt pulled like somebody cares about me. Um, she would just like put even put her hand on my shoulder and just say like kind words to me. And I took that the wrong way. Um, and so I feel like that in fifth grade was the first time I ever felt attraction to a woman because she was nice and she noticed me. Um, so that's where it started. And um, then I would just look like into different, you know, women. Mostly it was older women, even as a young kid. Um, I felt care and attention from them. Um, and then in high school, I actually didn't go to school for a while. Um, but in high school, um, I was exposed to the homosexual crew. And a couple of them were my first friends as um, I went back to school. And so that's when I like really opened up um, to it. I um, actually, I started dating um, a female. And so that's when I came out to everybody um, that this is what I was doing. And I thought it was what was good and what I liked um, for a little while. <laughs> For about a year I thought it was great um, and then it was not anymore it um, she um, was a drug dealer and uh, was very very mean and um, a miserable person as was I and um, so I began um, not eating as a result of depression um, in that lifestyle um, and anxiety and just really spiraled down, um, which landed me in the hospital because I was extremely anorexic. I'd pass out at work. I would just really anywhere I would go, there's, I would just pass out. 
um, which then led to my body just going crazy. Um, I ended up having to get surgery for 30 kidney stones, which um, gave me prescription drugs. And um, I didn't really think anything of it, um, except when I stopped, I noticed something in my body wanted more. And I had immediate access to that um, through the girl I was dating. Um, and would take things that I didn't even know what it was, um, to be honest. Uh, so I, yeah, through all that, um, I just felt very worthless and hopeless and lost to the point where I also desired to uh, go into the sex industry. Um, because I thought if I am going to be abused by a man, I might as well get paid for it. And that's a good way to make money. Um, that and because I had a lot of self-hatred and I really didn't care about myself. Um, so yeah, just really spiraled down and down and down um, to where I did um, more drug use and my body would get used to what I had. So I had to do more and more and more. Um, and it would be great for a while because I would be knocked out on the couch. Um, but then it would wear off and I'd have to do it again. Um, so it never really fixed anything, <clears throat> but that was the only thing that I really knew to do at the time. Um, so that was in high school. Um, I also got saved in high school at 17 through this time. I was going to church, um, really through middle school. I started going by myself because um, my mom stopped going, but she would drop me off. So I was always there. Um, and then at 17, we uh, went to a conference in Colorado. And um, they were just talking about literally everything that I was going through um, and surrender um, and so that night we had gone back to our hotel room. It was a three day thing. Um, and I was just alone and I decided to call my girlfriend at the time and say, I'm choosing to jump and trust that he's going to catch me. And I can't do this with you. And so then the next day during worship, I just secluded myself, um, from my youth group and surrendered to the Lord. And he gave me such peace to the point where I couldn't stand and I actually fell because of his presence and his peace that he gave me um didn't really know like at the time everything you know that was um going on but uh that is when I got saved but I went back to a church community that was not the greatest and helping me after that. Um, so I, I tried to stay away as much as possible from my old lifestyle, uh, but um, it was to the point where I, the girl I had been dating would hide under my car, be out of my, outside my apartment for hours. Um, and um, I'd be getting text messages because I had blocked her. If you don't get back, she's gonna die. She's going to commit suicide. 
And um, I believed it because she took drugs and totaled her car after I had said something. And so because I felt like it would be on me, I said, okay, fine. Just don't kill yourself, which is, I just felt like it was on me. And I said, I will be in this relationship, but God has asked me to stay in purity. And so I can be with you, but like, we can't even hold hands, which is really dumb. Can't do that. (laughs) Um, But I just didn't, I didn't know at the time. And I just felt very guilty for, um, you're smiling out of control. So, um, so yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was saved. And um, at this point, I was finally old enough to um, let me be careful how I say it. I was old enough to be in the industry. And so I went with friends. And that was the first time I really felt the Lord and Satan fighting for me. Um, I had multiple people coming up to me and saying how much money I could make and how fun it is. And your life is just a big party and it's really fun. But then I also um, had God give me his eyes for the first time to see the brokenness in these people, Um, which at the time I'm like, come on, like I've been wanting this for like a few years. And now I see that they are very broken and I couldn't do it, which praise the Lord that, um, he caught me at the right time. Um, but yeah, so, um, that was that. And I met Lynette, um, in all of this, uh, at Subway. And I just broke down and opened up. I'm like, I need help. Like, you seem like somebody that could help me. Um, and it, we kind of parted our ways after that. And then later she called me and she said, God told me that you need to move in. Like, okay, I met this lady one time at Subway. Uh, but all right, <laughs> you know, um, And so I moved there, and after I moved there, I still had drugs on me because I did not know how to go without. Even if I was not taking them, they were there just in case. Um, She was very gracious to me through that time. Um, And I I told her a couple times, I did it again. I have them, I'm not taking them, but I just don't know how to function without these by my side, just in case. Um, And so we would go to the toilet and flush them together. And she was just very kind to me. Uh, And I also still struggle with homosexuality. Um, The Lord had told me that I was gonna marry a man when I got saved, which I think most girls would be like, yay. But I was like, please don't make me do it. (laughs) please don't. This is not what I want. Like I will follow you, but don't make me do that. I will not because they're nasty and I don't want anything to do with them. Um, so I still struggled with both. Um, and was going to church. I remember at church, I would 
I don't know if you guys know this, but I would pace the hallways because Satan was attacking me so hard that I could not breathe. Um, and I would just sit, like sit in the corner in the hallways and cry. Um, during studies, um, there's a couple times where I even uh, used before I came to study <laughs> uh, because it's the only way I could, um, I guess, calm myself down. Uh, but over time, as I was there, I remember woke, waking up one day and just was like, where did that homosexual thought go? Um, I did not feel like it was there anymore. Um, but I also felt like I was like an in-between, like, I don't feel like that's there anymore, but I also still would never want to get married. Um, and, um, yeah, just over time, those things fell off. It wasn't an immediate thing. Um, and I don't really even know when it happened. Honestly, it just was like, I just thought about it one day and I don't remember, you know, when that fell off. Um, um, but also I didn't really want to marry a man. And so I knew that's what he had told me, um, that I was going to do is I was going to be a wife and a mom. Um, but I was like, nor I want to be a mom, but in order to be a mom, I have to be married and I don't want to do that. So, um, I see my husband come in. So, um, yeah, so I had told God, uh, I will not get married unless you tell me that the person is okay for me to marry. I don't have a dad. Um, the dad that I did meet at 19 had also um, exposed himself to me and would show me things that I should not have seen. And so I really didn't trust men after that. You know, if my own dad could do that, there is no man that can uh, be good or safe. Um, so I told Lord, you have to tell me because I am never doing this. And I know you want me to, but I'm not going to. Um, and then that night I had a dream of me, Lena and uh, Brandon sitting at church and him asking. And I woke up and the Lord said, it's okay. Um, I'm with you. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where that was. Um, yeah, so the time at Lynette's, I um, started to get into the word and then I didn't. And then I'd get back in and then I didn't because I was attacked by Satan. Um, pretty hard. Uh, there's times where I would wake up just like screaming in the house. Um, and I felt like, the, like I was just being held down. And if I said I won't spend time in the word, it would stop. And so I did not know how to get out of it. There's times where I just run to Lynette's bed <laughs> when I was able to get up. Um, just not really knowing how to do it. Um, but it was just the enemy's tactic to keep me out of the word and to leave, which is exactly opposite of what, um, the Lord is calling me to and how I would be set free. So he wanted me to go back to everything. Um, and so I would stop being in the word and then I would be like, no, this is what I need to do. So that I'd get back in and then I'd be attacked. And so I'd be like, okay, please don't do that to me. You know? Uh, so that was my time. Um, there and yeah I that has been my walk um I still don't have it down and um even through I have a really recent trial um of just the housing situation when you have a couple kids and you're a mom and you don't know where you're going in a couple of days it's very hard 
um, and sad. I just didn't, I just wanted my, our family to be somewhere where we're safe and we we're getting kicked out of our apartment. And uh, I, it sent me to the point where I was starting to get angry at God, but then I choose to seek him and trust him in this um, through our mistake. Um, and I ended up spiraling out of control a little bit um, um, at a bachelorette party in Wichita. I, because I did not set a priority of spending time in the word, I had been doing well at that, but because I had not set that as a priority, um, I was almost to the point where I'd fall away. And I know that Tad had said very often, I see people who succeed and some who don't, and the ones who succeed press in. And I thought, I will never walk away. Um, I'm not that person. And I didn't for 11 years, but eventually, um, if we don't do that, we will fall away. Even if it's 11 years from now, if it's a year from now, you cannot hang on by yourself. And so I let the busyness of life and just everything keep me from being consistent. And it caused me to um, want to walk away. There was an opportunity in Wichita that um, I could have fallen very, very, very hard. Um, but this was the second time that I felt the Lord and Satan both fighting for me at the same time. Uh, so through the housing situation, you know, you can't really find a place in like two days. Um, most of the places I found were in August, um, or there was a place that was open immediately, but it pretty much felt like a dungeon. And so I was like, okay, like if you're, you know, I don't know. I was just really struggling with that. But as I went to Wichita, I felt both of the Lord and Satan fighting for me again. Uh, and my aunt is pretty wealthy. Um, they live in a wealthy neighborhood and, um, she was just talking about the chaos that those people in the neighborhood had. And it helped me to realize that that stuff is not everything. Um, and that's not where our priest comes from. There are in things. Um, but then also I had people on the other side, like saying, because they had sent me a video and usually when I'm gone, they say hi through video and they're all happy. And um, this time, Eleanor had asked me, where are you? And was just very sad. And it hit me differently, you know, because at that time I had thought I want to just walk away because this is too hard. Um, and as I was watching that, the other side was saying, please don't let them convince you from having a fun night and so I felt just like pulling from each each side but after seeing my daughter I had to leave um but yeah all that goes to say 
is we have to have our time in because even after 11 years, I could still fall away if I'm not rooted and grounded in the word and prayer. Um, and so even 11 years in, I should have learned that really long before. Um, so it's, um, it was almost embarrassing to come say that, you know, I feel like I should be in it, but I, I am now. So that's what matters. Yeah. So that is, um, pretty much what I got. I'm not good at closing, but I was listening to a song this morning, um, that really, um, I felt like, um, kind of wrapped it up all in one, I guess. So I'm just going to read that. Um, hopefully I didn't forget anything. Um, but it said, it's a, um, song, maybe some of you know it. Um, it says, according to God, um, uh, it says, as a, as a child, I struggled to identify most of my mis misplaced anger and rage, dealing with the whole of emotion and consequences based on the way I was rage raised, the feeling for affection and affirmation, adjusted performance to gain attention and uh, gain some of sort of acceptance, but found I was always rejected and pushed away. Deep scars, feeling of not belonging, caused tall emotional walls, and any attempt to recover from the loss of confidence was incredibly small. The residual effects of abandonment had me observing my character flaws and viewing them all as insignificantly capable or relating or growing with God. I believe these lives to be true. My experience was the proof um, up until where I could sense Christ's love, relentless in love, um, complete pursuit of me. He spoke to me, offering me hope and life through his word, showing me his beauty, changing and uh, my perception and giving me a perspective of the, the way God truly viewed me, a man who is prized and pardoned and chosen before the world's foundation, his whole possession, his royal priesthood. I'm part of his holy nation. I'm friend. I am I'm valued and cared for enough for Christ to purchase. So I just was um, listening to that this morning and I was lost and God gave me purpose and wholeness and that's all I have. We're not all disgusting, us men. <laughs> she didn't say she didn't say her favorite line of her last time. She did this at Ellsworth. She said when she came to our church in Ellsworth, that was where she started to see that there were good men. I was like, yes, there are men who won't hurt women. There are men who will protect women. There are men who will honor women. Um, and so, anyway, that was awesome. Good job. Touchdown, Jesus. Woo-hoo. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, we'll let her brother get up here and talk a little about his life. Uh, I wanted Sierra to go first because she was first in the church. And uh, then we prayed her brother in. That's what we're doing in a lot of your cases. So, Travis, yeah, come on up here and share your story of what Christ has done for you. So I'm going to start with uh, a little bit of what Sierra touched on with uh, her dad. Um, he was the, fa the first father figure in my life. Um, I just remember uh, seeing like an old yearbook from elementary school where they didn't really have our pictures in there, but 
they would have us draw something and tell us like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in it's like kindergarten or first grade, um, I drew a picture and I was like, I want to be like my dad when I grow up with tattoos and listening to metal music. Well, my biological dad is completely clean cut and he doesn't really listen to metal music. and He has no tattoos, but Sierra's dad has all of those things. So, you know, there we go. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on was when Sierra told me that she was, uh, when she got hired or was thinking about being a stripper, I, and this is something that she told me because I don't remember it because most of this time I was uh, drunk or on drugs of some sort. And uh, when she told me that, I had told her that I would go in there and uh, basically shoot everybody in there and drag her out. And, uh, you know, at the time with my past with violence, like pointing a gun at someone is no issue for me. Um, but then when uh, our older sister, when she came in, when she got stabbed, I remember going out that night trying to get arrested because I was fully intent on getting arrested and killing her, uh, her baby daddy in jail. Um, so that's just a little bit of background with those crossovers. Um, but yeah. But then I, I did write all of this down because my brain is scattered. So I had to stay focused. Um, but God has been prompting me to share my testimony for a while now, and I've just been putting it off because I know that the majority, well, at least some of you know a bit about my, uh, my background. And then uh, Shane told me that Sierra was going to be sharing her testimony this month, and he was going to be sharing his. And I figure, you know, since it's Pride Month, um, Pride Month. Um, that it would be a good time for me to share as well. Um, and it, it's just because, you know, how drastically different our upraisings were, even though it was the same house. Um, but yeah, so today for this part of my testimony, I'm not going to be focusing on um, the drinking, the violence, gambling, my drug use, uh, the theft, the arguments that I would cause, um, or the idolatry that I had in my life, even though uh, quite a few of those do take, uh, take a role into my um, sexual uh, deviance. And, uh, and yeah, so just a little background from like younger was like, as early as I can like remember, I had been against marriage and against having kids. And I think my mom told me that I told her that when I was in the eighth grade, that I was just not going to have any kids and I was never going to be married. Um, and again, like Sierra said, I don't want to bash parents or family, but just more of a background of that. Um, so my mom had gone through two divorces. My dad, from what I hear, has gone through two divorces. My aunt Donna was a uh, in some at least verbally abusive relationships. Um, 
and she's also gone through like a horrible marriage and then my aunt kathy has also she's on her third marriage as well and uh so it's like even from like a young age it's like well this is what i know of marriage it's awful and uh so yeah that was that was something that i grew up with and then later on in life i heard it's like you know statistically in the u.s marriages end in divorce about 70 percent of the time so it's like why what's the point of even doing that but then uh even though i was anti-marriage and anti-kids i still had all of those desires that people have um and then you know it's like that's something that's ingrained into our culture with with media and like you know movies tvs it's like oh you got to be in a relationship in order to be happy you have to have a family you know all these things um and so i was in relationships but they never lasted i think the longest one that i was in was like probably three or four months just because it's like i didn't enjoy being in relationships um and then so after after all of those failed i got more and more bitter towards the idea of relationships and um then instead of being in like monogamous relationships i would actively search people who were um either just there for flings who would cheat on their uh, significant others or were in open relationships and uh after going through all of that i just got more and more you know bitter towards uh women and I started viewing women more as objects than an actual person. Um, and so to me, after a while, it didn't even matter what their relationship was. Um, I had just wanted to add another mark you know, to just a list of people. Um, and then, you know, the ways I would do that would be through lying, manipulation, uh, you know, just being who I, who I was. Um, and I did whatever I could um, in order to find the, uh, the best possible route to uh, sleep with them. And, you know, this is kind of where all the, uh, the other sins that I mentioned had uh, come into play. Because, um, like, you know, as a few of you know, um, I struggled with alcoholism for quite a while. Um, there was like four years where I had spent over six grand a year just on alcohol for myself. That's about like 500 bucks a month, roughly. Um, and it was a huge enabler for me because I would be going to parties, I would go to bars, I would just, you know, uh, just do anything to sleep with people and uh yeah alcohol made it easier um and then in those four you know four years about six months of those um i ended up being homeless while still partying and trying to sleep with people um yeah and then like because of because of the partying and like the way i was living like i couldn't tell you the majority of the people I was with, I couldn't tell you the name or point them out. Uh, like, I just didn't know who they were. Um, and then what most people don't need to know is, like, the drug use that I had. Um, 
and like that's partially because I don't talk about it, but also partially because for me, drug use wasn't like an addiction as much as it was. Um, it was just there to take advantage of people. And a lot of the times when I did do drugs is because a woman was there and she either had them or couldn't afford them and I could, and, you know, essentially paying for it with, uh, with drugs. And uh, so that, that basically just ran into idolatry because I did use uh, sex and pornography um, as idols. So it was like every day um, after I would wake up, I would text people trying to get, you know, hookups for that night. And like it was multiple people every day. So it didn't even matter like if it was zero, one, more, didn't care. Um, and uh, yeah, like I would do this through social media, dating sites, bars, wherever. And uh, if I if I didn't, like if I wasn't you know successful in that, then I would just, uh, I would end up uh, just watching porn for the night. And that became a huge idol for me uh, from like 2014 to 18. Um, it was because partially at the end of 2013, I became sober and my brain just like flipped 180 with uh, my sexual activity. Um, like I wasn't thrilled about chasing women anymore. It just came more of like a task. Um, and like, I didn't want them near me. I didn't like, I wasn't even interested in them um, because I still viewed women as objects rather than people. Um, and the only, the only one person that I like in that time period that I tried to get with I only tried to get with her because I knew she hadn't been with anybody before. And I was like, like my brain was still just like, oh, that's another notch. And so it was like just a horrible, horrible mindset there too. Um, and then with that, you know, this, this whole time I was struggling with my sexuality because, you know, for the past eight or so years, it was just every night being with a different, you know, trying to be with a different person at least and uh so now i just didn't want to chase anybody and so now my brain was just like okay well there's something wrong with me i know i'm not gay what's my problem um and i like i have a lot of friends in the lgbt community and so i was talking with all of them and like basically the majority of them were like oh well there's this group called uh you know asexuals maybe you're that and so like because I wasn't actively trying to, you know, sleep with anyone anymore, my brain was just like slowly telling me, it's like, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're part of the LGBT community and you're, you know, that's, that's where you're, where you're at right now. Um, and then after coming to Manhattan, um, uh, because of the experience that I had with, uh, God, um, I still struggled to surrender. Um, and that was based on largely sex, intelligence, and pride. And it was basically because if I was wrong, if I was wrong about God, then basically everything I had known for the past 20 years was, uh, was completely wrong. And ego really, really uh, took advantage of that. Um, but then, but then I know, like, I knew it was like, if I became a Christian, 
um, I had to fully commit to it. And because of my views on marriage, I had struggled with that commitment. Um, because in my mind, it would basically be taking, you know, about vow of celibacy um, for the rest of my life. And this was hard for me because sex was a huge sense of pride that I had. And uh, when I did finally surrender, um, I still hid the fact that I watched porn occasionally um, because I knew it wasn't right and I struggled with it still. Um, and like in the beginning, when I first surrendered, it's like when I looked at women, I didn't realize I was doing it out of lust because women had to be people in order for me to lust after them. And so it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's another object that I view as attractive. And it is like, yeah, it's, women weren't people. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I struggled. I struggled a lot with that. Um, luckily, though, God has convicted me on both of those things. Um, thankfully, with like the CD groups and the Accountable app, it makes it uh, so much easier to not fall into that temptation because like number one it's like obviously i know it's wrong um but number two i don't have to you know complain to everybody that is on those uh on the on the app or in my group and it's just a horrible you know it's like a horrible sense of shame in that too which is a good thing um because that's how you know it's wrong uh yeah, so God has slowly been changing my life, and um, that's not on him being slow. Uh, that's on me being stubborn and uh, just not always listening. Um, but during this, this uh, changing time of growth, um, yeah, God has, like, completely reversed my brain in so many aspects of life um, to the point where it's like, this is something that I haven't, you know, like, up until maybe a year, year and a half ago, it's like, yeah, I'd be open to, to the to the thought of marriage. And it's like from you know, as early as I can remember until what was I? Thirty-three, we'll call it that. Um so up until then it's like no marriage ever, like no kids. Um so God has changed my mind on that. And uh yeah, and he's also really uh just convicted me like not only on my own sexuality but like the lies about how I would end up alone for the rest of my life and the lies I believed about how um you know love is love as promoted by the LGBT and those associated um groups um yeah the things he's been like uh putting on my mind recently uh in scripture is a uh, first corinthians 7 basically just the whole chapter I'm not gonna read it for you guys you can go look it up. Uh, so basically, the whole chapter is a uh, you know, how both biblical singleness and marriages are gifts from God. Um, but then Matthew six thirty three, uh, just seek His kingdom first. And uh, finally, um, one of my favorite books is Ecclesiastes, and uh, chapter three is like there's a season for everything. Um, there's a season for singleness. There's a single for marriage that marriage or that season will be for the rest of your life um so that's a long season <laughs> and uh yeah so so 
so yeah while while i may not like certain seasons that i'm in um i know that they are gifts from god and he will let me know when the season has changed and i'll receive a new gift um yeah just one that is better than all the things that i used to do which were destructive in my past um yeah whether it was the drugs the lies the manipulation the alcohol gambling or idolatry uh, because everything was rooted in pride and he has drastically changed my life away from those things. That's it. All right. Travis doesn't do hugs yet. So I need to pray for healing in that area. We're all works in progress. Uh, well, thank you so much, both you guys. That's the world. We come to Christ like, again, I've shared about a friend of mine back in Chicago who got broadsided on his motorcycle when he accidentally ran a red light because the sun was behind it. He couldn't see it. And he got, I think it was a doctor in a BMW, just wrecked him, just wrecked him. And Susan and I, we were real good friends with him, and we kind of walked with him through the whole rehab from first of all going tubes down his throat can't i mean can't do anything by himself um pins in his arm part of his leg amputated just just totally that is how the day we're saved that's how we come into the kingdom we come to the kingdom we're insane we're crippled we're crazy we're broken there's no possible way we could have a good marriage or be a good parent or be a good friend but we're in because salvation is a gift, but we're in, but we're still nuts. And so one of the things you hear them talking about, it's a process. We don't expect you guys to be perfect. You know, especially if you were, you know, saved recently, or maybe you're saved 20 years ago, but you never even understood the process of growing. Like Sierra said, I've been doing this 11 years. And Tad said 11 years ago, you have to get with Jesus every day in his word and prayer. And I thought, no, I can do it. And God showed her, Nobody can do it. You have, to, you have to connect with him. Let him make those incremental changes every single day. But it's a process. And so you hear that. But praise the Lord, you know. And you know what? Some people have been in this church. We saw them get radically saved. There's, there's some of the rat, most crazy testimonies in this church. I mean, including literally Jesus showing up in someone's room and knocking them to the floor. Then they slide out of the church for a little bit. Oh, I guess they weren't really saved. No, they're in process. And we pray for them and we love them. And a lot of, a lot of, even some of you sitting here, you got knocked off the rails for a bit. People prayed you, loved you back in, but it's a process. And that's what our church does. We're all screw ups. We're all saved as a gift of God. By grace, you're saved through faith, not as a result of works. None of us are good, good enough. Or we boast. We all get in as a gift. But then from that point, then, then comes the hard work of renewing our mind, changing our schedule, tearing down our crazy priorities, and, you know, developing the mind of Christ, etc. So, yeah, that's, that's what this church is all about. It's not just get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. Then you got a bunch of crazy people going to heaven. And the church is a madhouse, right? But we want to get people saved, and then we want to get serious about growth. And that's what we do. And uh, part of that growth is realizing that you can come up here and be real and that that's a part of re realizing that oh if i tell them 
the real darkness, then they won't accept me. Maloney, stop lying. Let us know where you really came from. And well, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Actually, I was worse. Uh, but let's just be honest about where we are, who we are, where we came from. And then when people hear this on the internet or we bring a visitor to the church, they're like, oh, they're all screw-ups? But I could go to this church too. Oh, okay. And, and once they get saved, they don't expect perfection. They'll work with them. They'll love them. They're still doing drugs, sneaking off doing drugs after they're saved. They're still sneaking off doing porn after they're saved. Thinking about going to the sex industry because she's too crazy to, to sort it out after God touched her. This is reality. So anyway, thank you guys for your testimony. If you do not know the Lord yet, you don't have to clean yourself up before he will receive you. You come to him and say, Jesus, I can't clean myself up. I am a hopeless mess. Forgive me. Would you please move in? Start teaching me how to sort it out. And I'll do it. I also want to say this. When I was sitting there, I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? You can have peace. If you have suicidal thoughts, it is God's will that they are gone. If you struggle with anxiety, it is God's will that that is crushed and in your rearview mirror. If you struggle with depression, that is not God's will for your life. If you have relational chaos, all these things, addictions, sin addictions, they don't have to rule over you. They don't have to reign over you. You'll talk to a bunch of Christians that will say, well, you know, maybe you're saved, but it's God's will that you keep struggling. I'm just telling you, you can have a good marriage. You can have good kids. You can have thriving relationships. You can find your created purpose. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest. So either Jesus was lying or a lot of people who call themselves Christians are lying right now. And I'm telling you, is my life perfect? No. Are there still a couple pieces that I'm fighting for? Yes. Do I expect to win every battle? Absolutely. Because that's, we, we've got God on our side. Is it a process? Yes, it is. And there's no better way to do it than with a whole bunch of people around you who are on the same mission. And so that's why I love this church. I was, I was really, I was probably more excited to be here today than I can remember. Like, I can't wait. I had a bunch of good meetings. I can't, I don't want to like over, you know, forget anybody's name that I met with. But I like, oh, I really like this guy. Oh, I really like being with this person. And, you know, I think uh, we went over to Brandon and Sierra's house for dinner this week. I was like, that was the mo that was like the best time I've ever had with them as a couple. It, you know, I just love this body because everybody's we're all in that process and we're serious about it. We believe the same things. So God is good. He loves you. And I hope this was encouraging. I, I just, again, if you share your heart, tell people where they've been, but where you've been, they will love you more after you tell the story. The devil tells you they won't love you. They will love you more, you know, because I, I, their heart goes out to you. So I love both you guys. And I just so appreciate Sierra vanished. No, she didn't. She's hiding. So <laughs> she's a very tiny person. So anyway, well, thanks for coming. I see the bounty is laid out on the back table back there. So I'm going to say a prayer and uh, that'll be a wrap. So Father, we come before you in Jesus name. Thank you for new life in Christ. I thank you that Sierra is still here. I thank you that Travis is still here, Lord. I thank you for so many people in this room. And I thank you that people that have slipped out, Lord God, I know you're working on their heart. They want to come back. They're texting me, Lord God. They, they tell me they want to come back. They just don't know how. Help us to love them, fight for them, pray them back. 
And I just pray that you'd grow this community strong, help us to glorify you, bless our fellowship together. We love you. We just pray that you're pleased with the time that we spend together. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.